Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. Now here's Pastor Brian Sparks. We're in a series called Summer at the Church, and uh, I've enjoyed this series, and we're going to just keep it rolling, and uh, we've got a lot of good uh, guest speakers that are coming your way, but uh, I, get, I get the privilege of speaking to you today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, and we're going to read verse 4 through 9. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. Uh, we'll have it up here on the screen for you just to read along with us so that you know where it is. If you ever need a Bible, you let us know. We'll get you one. We believe the word of God is powerful. Amen. It says this, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace. Come on, somebody say grace. Grace. Come on, say grace. grace. The exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Come on, if you notice, notice there's a theme here. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? If you're taking notes today, I would like for you to title this message, Grace Goes Far. Grace Goes Far. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. So, Lord, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Grace goes far. The other day, I was uh, sitting out on my back porch. Uh, we recently moved out in the country, and I just love being out on the porch. I'm all on the back porch. I'm having a good time. I got fans. I'm fine. That's probably why I'm not hot right now, because I sit out in the Texas heat all the time. Uh, but Crystal was gone. She was gone to a conference last week, and, and so I was just there uh, by myself, hanging out, not doing much, uh, sitting out on the back porch in the afternoon, and, and uh, I had my two dogs. Come on, a man and his dogs, and we we're having a good time, and, and I'm not really paying attention. I'm just enjoying the silence. And all of a sudden, we have a dog, uh, a weenie dog named Maverick. And Maverick starts barking. And I'm not talking about like a little bark here, a little bark there. Like, I mean, he is aggressively barking at something. And I'm thinking, man, what does he have? I mean, it could be anything, like something's going on, something's happened, like what's going on? So I, I, and then I, I do what anybody would do. And I just keep my seat and say, Maverick, shut up. Right? That's the first response. But Maverick keeps barking. And so I repeated myself again, Maverick, come on, shut up, man. I'm I'm trying to enjoy my afternoon here. Just be quiet. And he just continued to bark. Uh, And so finally I got up and I walked over and I finally, I saw him. I couldn't see him initially and I saw him and he is, he is looking at the pool and he's leaned over the edge and he is barking at something in that pool. 
And I'm thinking, what, is, like something fall in, like what, is, like I'm expecting like, like a rat or something like that. But, but he is leaning in, he's barking at this pool. And so I come around the corner and I see what he's barking at. And what he's barking at is a piece of trash <laughs> has blown into the pool. Terrifying, right? I mean, he is a serve, protect and serve dog, right? He's blowing, he's barking aggressively at this piece. And I mean, he is looking at this piece of trash and he's barking at this. And I said, Maverick, would you please stop barking at it? And I began to think, and I walked away from that situation and I kind of began to think about us. And the reason why I began to think about us is because I think, I I know this, that all of us are in process, right? All of us are kind of in this process and some of us are in different walks. Some of you have been Christian for 45 years and some of you have just gotten, uh, become a Christian a couple of weeks ago and we're all on this journey. But, but, but here's what we all have in common is a lot of us focus on the one piece of trash in our life. Maverick wasn't barking at the water that was pure around him. He wasn't barking at the stuff that was clean. Even though there was hundreds of gallons of good around him, he was barking at the singular piece of trash. And I think that a lot of us live our lives talking about the one thing in our lives that's wrong. We talk about the one mistake in our lives. We talk about things that we did five years ago. We talk about things that we did 10 years ago. And what we do is, is we believe that that defines us as people. And I'm here to tell you right now, Stop talking about the one thing is right and start focusing on all the stuff that's going right in your life. Stop focusing on the mistake. Stop focusing on the failure. Stop focusing on the past and start realizing that God has done so much in you. And the reason why we have this mentality is because a lot of us, I don't know what it is, it's just natural for us, we get a religious mindset. And what a religious mindset does is it tells you that you need to do more, you need to behave more, you, 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 you're, you're not a real Christian unless you, I had a, a woman uh, call me the other day and uh, she said, uh, can I just ask you a question? And I said, yeah, sure, shoot, go for it. She said, I just wanna know, do you think God still loves me? And I thought, oh gosh, what have you done? You know, if you confess that you murdered your husband, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to report that, you know. So anything illegal, I'm legally bound to tell people and think it's something bad. And I said, why would you think that God doesn't love you anymore? She said, well, I haven't been reading my Bible like I know I should. And honestly, I haven't prayed in like a week. And I, I haven't been to church in like a month. And I said, absolutely God loves you. See, but what happens is, is that we have this mindset that I have to good my way to God. But you can't good your way to God. And that's why God came to you, right? That's why God came and he rescued you. See, we get this mindset of if I behave myself, if I do the right things, if I, and we think that God is pointing out the mistakes in our lives. We think that he's looking at the failure. We look, we think that he's looking at everything that's wrong. And you know what I did to get Maverick to stop barking? I just simply went over to the pool. I picked a piece of trash up and I threw it away. And whenever Maverick realized that it was completely gone, 
that it was no longer there, he stopped barking. He went about his life. And I want to tell you today that you need to understand that there is not a piece of trash because the thing is, is that God has removed it from your life. It is no longer there. You are talking about something that doesn't exist. You're talking about a mistake that he has wiped clean. You're talking about a failure that he doesn't even see anymore. You come in and you say, God, forgive me for that. God, forgive me for that. God, forgive me for that. And he's saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've removed it completely from your life. Grace goes far. Grace goes far. See, religion keeps telling you to do, and Jesus keeps telling you it's done. It says this, the Bible says that he, he forgives all your past, all your present, and all your future sins. That's an amazing, whenever he hung on a cross, and he said, it is finished. It means it is done. I have paid for every sin that you can think about committing in one moment. Grace goes far, but we keep thinking that I got to do more. We think I, I got to accomplish more. We think I, I, I need to, I need to, I, I got to keep talking about this mistake because it's something that I did, but you got to understand that God has removed it completely from your life. First John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from some unrighteousness. Now, don't get crazy, y'all. He'll purify us from a couple of things that we did wrong. Huh? He'll purify us from the little bitty stuff, right? He'll, he'll purify us from just the small things that we did. No, it says he will purify you from all unrighteousness. I don't know in, in, in where I come from, all means everything. All means it's all complete. The all means it is done. Like everything in here, everything in my life has been purified and clean and I am made righteous in Christ Jesus. Amen. Psalms 103 verse 12 says this. I'll show it to you again. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed, come on, has he removed our sins or our transgressions from us? He has removed our sins and our transgressions from us. Grace goes far. Come on, touch three people. Tell them grace goes far. Grace goes far. Here's what I want you to do is is every time you think about grace, I want you to think about this acronym FAR, okay? I want you to think about the word FAR. Grace goes far. So whenever you begin to think, oh man, I messed up, I want you to begin to think about how good God's grace is and how far his grace went. The first thing you need to know about grace is that grace forgets. I bet you thought I was going to say forgives. Grace forgets. But here's the thing is that we all know that we've been forgiven. Most of us know that we've been forgiven, but we don't know that God has chosen to forget. How many of you are forgetful? Huh? It's only women that really raise their hand. Thank you. That's taking note of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh? 
No, the truth is, is that we're all forgetful. Have you ever lost your keys, forgot where you put your keys? Come on. It happens. It's just the way it is. How about, uh, that, that, that's, you know, it's not really that big a deal. Have you ever forgot why you went to the grocery store? That's the worst because you buy everything in the grocery store except the one thing, one thing that you needed to get. Come on, we forget. Have you ever walked into a room? Now, this is really weird. You ever walk into a room and forget why you're there? And you just kind of walk in, like you walk into your living room, you go, why am I here again? I have no idea. Oh, how about this? Have you ever forgot somebody that you know well's name? Young people, look at me. This is happening. This is what happens. I had some, I had some people uh, that that are were on the our dream team that we've been with us since the beginning. And I was sitting in a crowd uh, a, a couple of months ago, and I could not think of their names. I was like, uh, like I know you. Don't think I don't know. I know you. You know, but I cannot. It's just gone. Completely gone. I'd forgotten it, you know? Uh, and you know, we all forget little things, but what about big things? You ever forgotten somebody's birthday? Oh. How about an anniversary? Nobody's raising their hand. <laughs> I had an I had a, a, a awesome couple. This is a while back. Uh, and they, we had seen them out and about during the week and we were talking to them and they were like, uh, you know, and I said something at the very end. I said, yeah, we'll see you on Sunday. And they were like, yeah, we'll be there. It's our anniversary, but we're gonna come to church anyway. I'm like, that's dedication. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so naturally, you know, we're out and we're greeting people and we're talking and this couple comes walking up. And I said, hey guys, so good to see you. Happy anniversary. And the guy's eyes got about this big around. Three days ago, we had talked about it being their anniversary and his eyes got this big around and I'm like, uh-oh, what did I do? Like, is it not happy? <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to fill this out. And all the, the, they go inside and he comes running back out and he goes, you saved my life. I completely forgot it was our anniversary. <laughs> Ladies, don't ask me who it was either. Don't you dare, bro code, man, bro code. We're not doing it. We're not talking about it. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's no longer, right? Here's the thing is that, that I com- he completely forgot. See, here's the thing is that we have things in our life that accidentally slip our minds. We have things in our life that we accidentally forget about. Sometimes they're little things. Sometimes they're big things, but we forget accidentally. But what you need to know is that God chooses to forget on purpose. See, God can't forget where he put a universe. God can't forget, he can't forget the hairs on your head. He can't forget those things. But what he says this is that since I can't forget, since I'm all knowing, since I know everything and there's nothing that escapes me, I am going to choose to forget. And the one thing that I'm gonna choose to forget is every mistake you've made, every fault you have, every failure, come on, every sin, there is nothing. I say this, I just throw it in the trash. I wanna get rid of it. It's far as the east is from the west I'm going to forget what you've done that's amazing that's how grace is he chooses to forget what we've done never forget when it comes to grace that God forgets our sins he chooses 
to forget. And all throughout scripture, we see this over and over and over again. Isaiah 43, 25 says this. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Man, that's good. Jeremiah 31, 34 says this. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Come on. How about Hebrews 8, 12? We'll see it again. I'm gonna show you again. That was Old Testament. Now we're in New Testament. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. What you need to know is that God has chosen to forget the mistakes that you've made. And let me just ask you this. If God is willing to forget, maybe it's time that you forget too. If God, who is all righteous, who has never made a mistake, says this, you know what? It ain't even worth remembering. It ain't even worth talking about. It ain't even worth discussing. It's not even, it's not even on my radar. I have picked it up and I'm just, I'm done with it. Maybe we should start forgetting ourselves. Maybe we should, maybe you said, oh, well, I've forgiven myself, but maybe you should start forgetting yourself. Maybe you should say, you know what? I'm just gonna let this thing go. I'm tired of talking about something that's not there. I'm tired of talking about a mistake that I've made. I'm tired of trying to pay for a sin that I committed. Why are you paying for sins when Jesus has paid for it all? Some of you need to make a decision that I'm gonna forget about it. I'm gonna forget about it. But see, it's so hard for us to forget because we have a hard time forgetting those kind of things. When people wrong you, come on. Oh, I forgive you, brother. Filed right here. Come on, husbands. You know what I'm talking about. She brings up something from 1982. And you're like, what? Where'd that come from? Well, when we were 17 years old, you, what? 17, I can't even remember. Come on, guys, we do the same thing. We bring up these past things. And the reason why is because we have a hard time forgetting what other people have done to us. And let me just ask you this. If God has forgotten what you've done to him, maybe you should start forgetting what somebody has done to you. That's free. It's easy to ask for forgiveness and grace and love from a God who chooses to forget, but it's hard to give that same grace to the people around us. Number two, you getting something out of this? Number two, grace accepts. Grace forgets, grace accepts. Ephesians 1, 6 says this, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I love what one translation says, by, he, by which he has made us accepted through Christ Jesus. See, here's the thing is, is that we think that we have to earn God's acceptance, but we don't have to earn God's acceptance. See, the thing is, is that you need to understand that you are operating from a place 
that, that's not, when, when you become a Christian, you don't operate and live your life for grace. You operate from grace. Come on. You don't live your life for grace. So let me just show you this. I don't, I don't read my Bible to earn God's love. I read my Bible to see how much he has loved me, even with all my faults and my failures. Here's the thing, is that I don't come to church so that I get an A on my report card and God says, well, you did good this week. I don't serve on the dream team to get an A and I get extra credit and then you just came and sat, I serve, so I get extra credit. While all of those things are good, it's awesome, but the thing is, is that that does not get me more grace. That does not get me more love. That does not get me more acceptance, but what it does do, so. So I operate from a place from grace, not for grace. So I come in to church and I come to church and I lift my hands and I worship God because he loved me, because he accepted me, because his grace is sufficient, because he's so good. Not to get him to be, oh God, please, please love me more. No, he already loves you as much as he's going to love you. He already cares about you more than you could ever even think or imagine. He accepts you. But I think that a lot of us, we we read the Bible, and it's interesting to me that it's called a text because I think a lot gets lost in a text. I'm one of these guys that I just pick up the phone and call. People call me old, I get it, whatever. But I'd just rather have a conversation. Because here, I don't know if y'all know this, but there is a, a code to texting and it's called the emoji code. <laughs> Girls know this. Guys, you don't know this. You need to know that there's an emoji code, right? And, and so I, I, I'll text somebody. Uh, I, I was actually texting our creative um, director, Crystal Figueroa. She was up here and I text her and I asked her to do something and it couldn't be done. She works really hard. She, she just couldn't get this done. And she's like, I'm sorry, I just can't get it done. And so I text back, I said, no problem. And then she said, I'm really sorry. And she kind of texts back all this stuff. And then I was like, I think I kind of hurt her feelings. And Crystal goes, well, let me see the text. And I was like, all right. She said, you wrote no problem? And I was like, yeah, no problem, period. No problem, period. She goes, there's no hearts. There's no kissy faces. There's no hugs. And I'm like, what? What am I supposed to do? I don't understand. Why? When do we have to put a heart after everything? I don't. I don't get it, but there's this code that we have to follow and, and it's getting to be more and more and more. My, my daughter was talking, uh, she said, I, I sent a text to Pastor Jimmy to ask him a question about camp and he answered and he answered the question and he just put a period at the end of it. She goes, I don't know what he's thinking. Is he mad at me? I'm like, no, he just doesn't have time for emojis. Come on. Right? And I think this, I think now that we live in a culture that is so centered around emojis, that when we read the text, we don't really see the heart. We read the Bible and we see that we are accepted in the beloved and we go, oh, we're accepted in the beloved, period. 
What does that mean? There's no kissy faces. There's no hearts. Is he mad at me? Come on. Is he angry? What, what does this mean? And the truth is, is that we lose a lot in a text. And what we don't understand is the heart behind the text. So I want to show you. All right. Isaiah, come on. Charles, come on. All right. Y'all good? You want to get something out of this? All right. Uh, I'm going to give Jesus to him. He's cool. Come on. He's got long hair. Jesus had long hair. And then Isaiah, who's an elder in our church, you're just you. You're just you. And then I'm the father because I'm holier than all of you. Just kidding. Just kidding. So I'm the father, right? And here's what's, here's what's cool is, is that you, you got to understand that when you become a Christian, the Bible says this in, in the text that we read in Ephesians, it says that you are seated in heavenly places. So just, let's just picture for a moment that you're not sitting here, but we're sitting in the perfect temperature in heaven. Come on. Amen. We're sitting, we're sitting in the air condition of heaven and we feel God's glory, right? It's awesome. It's amazing. It's incredible. And you're seated and here's Jesus and here's you and the Father is looking at both of you. Now, let me ask you this question. When God looks at Jesus and God looks at you, which one is more righteous? Right? Everybody's like, Jesus is more righteous. Are you kidding me? Jesus is that? You don't understand. I cussed at the kids on the way to church. You don't know, Brian. You don't know. I stole a pen from work and I liked it. I am a sinner. I am horrible. So we automatically think we're seated in heavenly places and Jesus is here and I'm here and God's here. And he looks at Jesus and he goes, man, you're the righteous. You are incredible. But what you need to understand is you're wrong. Oh, that's blasphemy, brother. No, because what you need to understand, the Bible says that you become righteous through Jesus. So what that means is this, that what Jesus did shines brighter than what you have done. And light always overtakes darkness. Light always overcomes the darkness. And so when God looks at you, Jesus shines so bright that when he looks at you, all he sees is what Jesus has done. You understand something. You can't earn God's acceptance. Jesus paid the price so that you would be accepted. Amen. Come on, give it up for these guys. You're accepted. Come on. We think of all these things we've done. We don't realize how complete the work that Jesus did is on the cross is. We don't really understand it. And it's, it's one of those things, grace is one of those things that you will never wrap your mind around. You will never wrap your mind around it. But I just hope for a moment that I could paint a picture of how great Jesus is. Not how great you are, but how great Jesus is. The last thing, and I'm done, because I preach too long. 
The last thing is grace rescues. Grace rescues. Grace forgets. Grace accepts. And grace rescues. There was a little boy made a decision one summer. He was bored. And instead of complaining to his parents that I'm bored, he decided I'm going to make a boat. I've got a stream nearby. I'm going to build this awesome sailboat. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. I'm I'm tired of being bored, so I'm going to do this thing. And so he started, I mean, he drew up some plans and he started working on it. And he's, he's putting this together. I mean, he is creating every piece for purpose. He's, he's got sails in place and he's got all of this and he's building it all out. And finally, the day comes when it's finished. Proudly, he carries it down to the stream and he begins to, to, to just play with it. I mean, he's having a great time. It's awesome. It's amazing. He's having an incredible time and he's having so much fun that he doesn't realize that it starts to get away from him. And it gets out into a stream that has a strong current. And all of a sudden the boat turns and begins to head down the stream. The boy turns and he begins to run after the boat, after his prized possession, after something that he's worked so hard for. He begins to run down the stream, but the stream gets faster and faster the further he gets downstream. Finally, he sees his boat for the last time as it goes around the bend and he has to go and he, he tries and he finds it, he tries to find it and he can't see it anywhere. He searches and he searches and he searches. Finally, darkness begins to come in and he knew that he had to get home and so he gave up his search. He went home, he was disheartened, he was upset. Three days later, he was walking through town and in the window of a store, he saw his boat. He, he looked at it and he goes, no, I, you know, because at first he, he was like, I'm not sure. But, but then he goes, that's my boat. I know, I, I, I painted that. And so he goes into the store and he tells the store owner, he goes, that's my boat. I built that thing. I made it. The store owner said, I'm sorry, somebody brought it in. I bought it. It's mine. So if you want it back, you're going to have to pay for it. It's going to cost you 10 bucks. The little boy ran home, broke open his piggy bank and counted out every dollar. He had exactly $10. He ran back to the store, gladly handed the store owner the money. And he grabbed his boat and on the way out, he was hugging his boat and the store owner heard him say this, you're twice mine. Because first I made you and second, I bought you. And that is the ultimate picture of grace. See, God didn't just love you enough to create you, but he loved you enough to pay the ultimate price for you. He loved you enough to go so far that you couldn't get to God. There was no, there was no uh, bridge that you could build to God. So God said, I know this, that I got to put on flesh and I got to come to this earth and I got to pay the price. I got to die on a cross and I got to be raised from the dead. I have to pay the price in order to buy them back. See, grace goes so far that when you're willing to give everything to buy somebody back, you're willing to forget the little things that they've done. You're willing to forget the big things they've done. No matter what, you accept them. You 
love them. You care for them. I want to tell you today about a grace that goes so far that there's nothing that you could do and there's nothing that you could say to make God love you less than he does right now. Friend, he cares for you. He loves you. He accepts you. And maybe you're in this place and you've been talking about a mistake that you've made and you think that you've got to pay for it. But can I tell you, friend, that I, I know a God who's already paid. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're in this place and you say, Brian, that's me. Lord, right now, I just pray for every person here. Lord, I pray that they would understand how far grace goes. God, that mistake that they've made, they keep talking about, Lord, I thank you that right now, that they would understand and they would know that you've chosen to forget. So maybe they should too. God, I pray for every person here things that they've tried, they have to try to earn God's acceptance. Lord, I pray that they would understand and know that you have already accepted them. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.